This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. One of the best pieces of feedback that I've gotten during the pandemic with the masterminds that I run is that principals are enjoying talking about instruction and not just talking about COVID rules and regulations. It's one of the great things that we get to do in the mastermind is focus on the things that really matter. And sometimes we try to focus on other things, on the distractions that take us away from our vision, but we're always able to come back because our whole goal is to help us get our schools to where they need to be. So I would love to have you in there. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about it before. You probably have questions. Just go to jethrojones.com slash mastermind and let's set up a time to to talk about it. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind and then click on schedule a call. I look forward to talking with you. Again, that's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Frank Forte on the program today. For 30 years, Frank has led projects and programs around the world for clients such as the U.S. Navy, Air Force, and Army, NASA, CA, CSE, GTE, I don't even know what those are, and Mylan Pharmaceutical. He has worked across many different industries, including oil and gas, software, healthcare, and construction. He is the author of the book, Agile Thinking Demystified. And I'm having him on the program today because we are in the middle of a crazy pandemic that has totally upended education. And I think that Frank, with his vast experience, would be someone who would help us figure some things out. So, Frank, welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm excited to have you here today. It's great to be here, Jethro. And and I look forward to uh, chatting with your audience and um, uh, sharing some of the principles. Yeah, well, let's start because many educators may not be familiar with this idea of agile thinking. So can you start by explaining what agile thinking is? Sure. Um, Agile has taken the corporate world by storm over the last uh, 20 years or so. 
and, and was codified in what we call the Agile Manifesto. But really, if you're a science teacher, you already know what uh, Agile means. It's empiricism. It's the experiment and getting feedback and, and coming up with the hypothesis and then either validating that hypothesis or invalidating it. So this, this idea that we were taught in grade school and high school and college, if we took science, was, was left at the doorstep of corporate America. And so we're really trying to reintroduce this idea that we don't know what we have to do to please our customers or get the results we're looking for. We've got to run experiments. And so, you know, the higher you go up in, in any organization, often you feel like you cannot run an experiment and fail at that experiment because your reputation is hanging on it. So you really don't make progress anymore. You don't, you don't, you know, achieve these breakthrough ideas and results that we all say we seek, but we use the wrong approach to get there. Yeah, that is a really good point. And uh, even for school leaders, so I, I recently wrote a book called School X, and it is about the the same idea that you need to uh, experiment and try new things to meet the needs of those that are in front of you. And why is it, Frank, that we are afraid to make those changes? Yeah, there's reputation, but there's got to be something deeper that prevents us from doing it. Why don't we experiment as much as we should? We as humans don't like to fail. Failure is a bad thing. And quite honestly, our education system tends to reward getting the right answer more than the experimentation often. So we really do need to uh, kind of rethink how we introduce uh, young people to this idea of failure. I, I, I got to tell you a story. I, I was uh, having lunch with my granddaughter. She's eight. And, I, and, and this was last summer. Now she's in fourth grade. And so she said, you know, Grandpa, what is it you do, right? <laughs> you know, and, and so uh, back then she was a, a second grader, so, or, a, you know, early third grader. And I, I was trying to explain to her, I said, and she had just told me about an experiment she had run in her class with paper clips and, and paper trying to make a bridge. And so she told me this long story about the first time, I think they were trying to roll bearings or something across the bridge. And she said, you know, the first time it didn't even get across. And, and so I had to go back and I had to rethink my design. And then the second time it, you know, I got one across, but the second one failed. And she said, by the end of the experiment, I had five of these things go across the bridge. And I said, that is exactly what I try to teach adults. Her response was, why do you have to do that? Every kid knows how to do this. That is a fantastic story and something that I've heard uh, kids say so many times. Why do adults need to learn that? Because we as kids already know. But it gets taught out of us, as you mentioned, because of our system. And then, you know, we have ego come along and that makes it harder for us to, to make those decisions uh, later on in life. So in working with, with young kids, how do we keep this idea of being okay with experimentation and failure alive so that we don't teach it out of them? I, I think it has a lot to do with uh, talking about the effort they put forward, the process they use to try to come to the right answer or to get the results they were seeking for, and, and keep talking to them about what did they learn in this experiment that they can take forward to the next one, 
right? So it's it's never a one and done in corporate America, right? We 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 show up every day, we go to work, and I'm sure that's the same way for every teacher. I mean, often I've been told that you can be a teacher with uh, 20 years of experience, or you can be a teacher with three years of experience re- repeated 17 times. So what I do in corporate America is make sure that leaders don't get stuck in that, oh, yeah, I'm repeating last year's problems and, quite honestly, last year's failures because of this fear of failure or ego, as you, you pointed out, Jethro. And ego is just, you know, another way for us, you know, to uh, operate out of fear. Yeah. And, and that fear drives so many of our decisions, you know, being afraid of trying something new, afraid of changing things, of, afraid of doing different things. And you were in the Navy uh, working on nuclear powered submarines during the Cold War. Uh, talk about something that must have been a fearful experience, not knowing if you were going to, you know, go out and, and blow someone up the very next day or not. And, you know, there are lots of aspects to that. And so throughout your life, you've had to change and do things differently. And, and I'm not a project manager. I'm a school principal. So how does the, the Agile mentality have something to offer me as a school principal? I'll take uh, your sec- second part of your question first. Is One is experimentation. I'll go back to this. And I love that your audience you know, comes from the academic setting. And, and you know, going back to that science lab, I didn't know what I was doing when I was running a science experiment. You know, all I knew was the steps that the science teacher were was instructing me or the physics teacher when I got to college, right? So I didn't know what the outcome was supposed to be. All I knew is that there were some processes that I needed to follow and that I had learned some principles of science. Well, the, the challenge is we don't have many principles when it comes to idiosyncratic people, right? Each and every person is unique and different. Which, which is awesome. But as soon as we try, try to, uh, you know, uh, drill this down into a process like making hamburgers, that's where we fail, right? I often talk uh, to my leaders about, is it complicated or is it complex? Uh, I'll give you an example of complicated. Uh, car manufacturer, uh, that is complicated. Well, but making hamburgers at McDonald's isn't. Right. That's I I would consider that pretty simple. They've got a great process. I go to McDonald's nine times out of 10. I get a hamburger when I order one. Right. So it's not. And that's why 14 year olds, while they're still in high school, can go get a job at McDonald's and do just fine. It it, we're not talking about rocket science and that um, building cars. It's complicated. Right. It's complex. So what we do is we do inspection. And we, and we have quality control standards. And if we get out of that realm, we know how to control for it. But when you put humans as the, as the, uh, the engine of creativity and knowledge generation, that's where complexity comes in. And you've got to, you know, really look at those individuals. So what I do is look at leaders individually and say, what is the next experiment that I can partner with you to help you grow? So instead of looking at, oh, here's the curriculum, and and I train a lot. I teach. Tomorrow I'm teaching a two-day course. 
So I, I have my curriculum, if you will. I have my course objectives. I, I know what I want to get accomplished, but then I also am agile in the way I deliver that. And I feed off of that audience, all, all adults, all know more about what they do than I do. And so I'm just trying to respond to what their questions are and using those as a teaching moment. Yeah, and that really is the best kind of teaching when you are responding to the people that are there in front of you. And the challenge that we face in education is too often we try to make it a complicated process, if I'm understanding your meaning correctly, where we're trying to fit people into this process of how to learn when really it's a complex process because there's people involved and it's it's different and each person is going to learn in their own way and not learn the same as the person next to them. And so one example may work perfectly fine for you, but it's not going to work perfectly fine for the guy sitting next to you. So for example, when I was a principal in Kodiak, Alaska, which is an island in the Gulf of Alaska, there was a math problem that asked the kids uh, to to do some sort of work around trains, right? There's always that train math problem, right? So the problem is, is that these kids on Kodiak, Alaska, if they've lived on the island their whole life, they've never even seen a train and they can't comprehend what a train would do because the road there is only 40 miles long. And so most of their transportation around to different parts of the island isn't even by car, it's by boat or flying, And so they would do much better with a plane or boat question, but would not do well with a train question because they just can't comprehend what that means because they have no experience to to speak of as it relates to it. So just about everywhere else in the world, people have some experience with trains, but when you're on a small island, you certainly don't. And so being able to have that uh, awareness and agility to make those changes in the moment as you're teaching is is definitely super important. So I want to talk a little bit about changing things and how that is that's a challenging thing for for any leader to do and especially right now during the coronavirus we're experiencing a ton of change that we're not prepared for at all. So can you talk about how you've seen these techniques successful and when you've seen them fail in trying to make change? Well, um, one of the clients I work with, and and this is a very pertinent example, one of the clients I work with uh, is responsible for, they're the literally millions of 401ks and and, and other types of retirement programs. And and the CARES Act um, did a lot of things where people could take loans and withdrawals from their um, 401ks and retirement plans that never before would we have been allowed to do. Well, this firm had to respond very quickly to help those people get the money they needed to live, right? And so two years ago, when I went to work with this firm, they their own account, they said they could not have done what they were able to do in three weeks if it had not been for the agile transformation they've gone through. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include 
a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer. A title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval. One book that says, Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. So to me, this is a huge validation. I've seen it over and over. Here's another, another example is there was a, a project I worked on and, and uh, I manufacturer. So I, I wear you, if you use glasses, you probably know this, uh, one of these firms and, and they were going to, uh, when I first walked in there, they were using traditional plan driven approach with, which is the corollary to empiricism, right? Um, you know, I have a, I have a, a curriculum. I have a course plan. I'm going to run that course plan every year over and over. Um, uh, and, and that's the approach we were taking. So I said, Hey, you're, you don't want to, you know, have people waiting a year and spending millions of dollars uh, while they're waiting. Um, let me try this agile thing. So because of the compelling, the, the um, burning platform, if you will, if you use, uh, read John Cotter's uh, work on change, The Heart of Change is one of his foundational books out of Harvard. Um, he talks about a sense of urgency has to be the first and foremost thing for you to be willing to try something else, for, for you to be willing to experiment. Now, a lot of people put themselves in a place where there's never going to be a sense of urgency. And I often say the people will change or the people will change because eventually those customers, the customers of your product will either, you know, uh, vote with their feet or else they'll um, demand change, especially, you know, for you in the school system, you know, it might be the superintendent or the board members or whoever. Right, um, will will come in and say, "Hey, we've we've got to get better at X, Y, or Z," and that's what happens in in organizations all the time that I, I work with. Yeah, the the story of um, of setting things up beforehand so that they could adapt in this moment that was uh, something that happened with me and the school that I was principal of in Fairbanks, Alaska, where when the school closures happened this spring, many schools struggled mightily. And the principal who took over for me, she said, because of the groundwork you laid in getting us to think differently about school, we were able to hit the ground running and had very few challenges and issues because we already knew we were trying to think differently. And I certainly wasn't at your level, Frank, but I was I was doing the best I could with what I got. And we certainly got to a point where we could where we could be much more successful. So what are some of the failures that you've seen um, in people trying to make change, but not having these skills in place? I think one of the biggest failures is they'll try once, you know, and then, and, and then, Oh, I, I failed. 
and they're surprised by that. You know, I often use uh, Thomas Edison's quote where, you know, he was asked, uh, and, and the, the data varies, but he was asked, uh, you know, you, you failed 10,000 times uh, before you created the light bulb. And, and he shot back. He said, no, I, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I figured out, you know, 9,999 9, ways that didn't work. So we've, we've got to, we, we're working in a complex, ever-changing environment, especially when we are trying to create, as, as your audience is, trying to create knowledge workers where I'm trying to coach them, where I'm trying to help them get better, you know, I get the raw material in, in my input process that you and other educators produce. And, and so, quite honestly, my assessment is they're a lot more willing to experiment than a lot of our leaders today. Yeah, definitely. And they, they have to experiment because they're only dealing with people. They're not ever dealing with, you know, a, a process on a on a assembly line, right? They're always dealing with the people that are in front of them, and those kids change year after year after year. So once we figure out some ways to to make change, what, what comes next after being able to actually make change? Well, one of the things is you've got to build that change model. So you, you get introduced to, oh, I'm going to use empiricism. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to be willing to change and pivot. And every day. Literally, if, if, if a teacher teaches, uh, you know, three sections of the same course, they ought to have three retrospectives to say, hey, what went well? What can I do better? And, oh, what, what do I want to keep? Because this speaks to being overwhelmed. If you try to change too much at a time and maybe just take away one thing from each class and, and work on that for the next week. So don't overwhelm. So what I see is people get all excited about this and, oh, I'm on do it, but then they're overwhelmed by all the change. And, and so we need to have a process for those things that are not very important. You know, I, my routine in the morning is not very, uh, it's not going to change the world, you know, so I get up, you know, and I go down and I get some coffee. I give uh, my cats some treats. And, and, and that's about it. You know, I go out and I ride my bike, uh, come back and, and then I get to work. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing that every week. I don't feel like uh, that's going to really help me. I, I do my meditation. I do my exercise. I get my coffee at the end of the day. I'm pretty happy with that. Right. But where I'm, I'm every one-on-one, every one-on-one interaction I have, I, I, I take feedback from that. What went well? What could, what could, what questions could I've asked that were, were more insightful, that were more penetrating? Uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the course I'm teaching tomorrow, I've taught four times now. It's not the same course I started off teaching based on the feedback I got. You know, I've taught it every month, uh, I, I think July, uh, yeah, June, July, August, and, and now we're in September. It's not the same course because I, I, I asked for feedback, I took that feedback, and I think a lot of people don't know how to deal with feedback. You know, they get defensive, uh, they overreact, they justify why they did it. Um, so you've got to, one, get comfortable with feedback, and then I, I think is accelerating that feedback. 
So we have the universe is accelerating. And if you have physics professors in the audience and, and, and those folks, they will validate that. We know that the, the, the universe is accelerating. So change is accelerating. So we've got to accelerate our change. Once we get into that stream, we've, we've got to kind of go with the flow of the traffic, right? On the freeway, if you have somebody stopping, right, uh, on the on-ramp, that creates a lot of problems, right? That, you know, they get rear-ended, they never get into the flow. So, as, you know, you can't use side street mentality on the freeway. Yeah, that's that's a great thought that I need to ponder for just a bit, using your side street mentality on the freeway. That's that's good. I like that. So let's go back to that idea of the retrospectives. How formal should a retrospective be? You know, a teacher who's teaching and a principal who's leading a school, you're often going back to back to back to back. You've, you don't have that time to, to sit down and think, how formal should a retrospective be and what should that look like in our super busy, packed daily lives? Well... You know, that's one of the keys is that we've got to carve out time to change. We're not, if we're execution oriented, then efficiency takes over from effectiveness. And I I tell teams all the time, get effective first, and then you can become efficient. But we go to efficiency first. You mentioned the industrial age and, and that industrial age thinking. That's where efficiency came from, right? We did, We were just making widgets. So the right thing to do is to make more widgets on your line. And if you did that, you got promoted. You got, uh, you know, promoted the line supervisor, then you got promoted to the plant supervisor eventually, right? So widget making is not what we do. We're, you know, we're in the knowledge age. And, and and in order to be effective in that age, we've got to be effective, not efficient. I, I love that approach. I think that's totally right. It, it's hard to become effective when being efficient seems like it will solve so many of our problems. Because if I can just get these things done, then I can make time to work on becoming effective. Is that the right mindset? Or if not, why is it the wrong mindset? Well, it goes back to a, a growth versus fixed mindset. And and um, there's a, a book called Mindset. If you haven't read it, I'd, I'd recommend it to your audience. But the, the idea is that the growth mindset is saying, I can always improve. The fixed mindset says, I already know everything I need to do. I just need to get more efficient at doing that. Then I'll have more time to do other things, right? So that's that's the the, the dilemma that people in the fixed mindset end up with is that they don't have time to experiment, right? Is, is they don't have time to grow because they think quite honestly, they already know what the answer is. You know, as, as I went through my, my educational career, you know uh, yeah, it's easy. Arithmetic, you, you know what the right answer is, but by the time I got, to differential equations and imaginary numbers, there's not necessarily a right answer. You know, and then you you look at quantum physics. You can only predict what the answer is going to be. And that's how our universe actually works. And and we're just figuring that out because of the speed of change that we're experiencing. Yeah, I I find that really interesting. I haven't heard 
um, fixed mindset being described that way but it makes a lot of sense now that now that you've put it in that perspective. And I wonder as as we look at the changes that we are facing and the things that we need to to accomplish, a big part of our job as principals is getting people to be able to move and change themselves and their practice. How do we get that to happen quickly so that they are I think, as you mentioned before, most educators can get on board with this idea of treating failure as a learning opportunity and accepting the change. But how do we get that change to happen quick enough that we're not disadvantaging the kids who are in front of us now because we're unwilling to change fast enough to serve them? You know, it's, it doesn't do us any good if I'm a middle school teacher and I'll get to that change in two or three years. How do we make it so they feel the urgency to get to it now? I, I think, you know, asking them. As a principal, as a department leader, you know, in that middle school, what what are what are the questions you're asking them when you get to interact with them? You know, simply ask, what have you changed from last quarter to this quarter with, with your approach to engaging students? I, I think that is what the leader can do is just ask the question because change starts with awareness, right? So until until you're aware that there's an opportunity for change or there's a need for change, there's no way that someone that, that is stuck inside, you know, there, there, you know, it's, there's an old commercial, you know, it's time to make the donuts. And it was, uh, I think a duck Dunkin' Donuts um, advertisement and the guy, you know, three o'clock in the morning advertisement was it's time to make the donuts again. And, and I think a lot of us get in that rut. There's a, an old sign in St. Louis that says, pick your, pick your rut carefully because you're going to be in it for the next 3,000 miles. <laughs> and so that, that's how we've kind of established our thinking. One is we tend to be overwhelmed by change, so we just shut down. You know, there's the fight and flight and and the other one is freeze, and I use freeze. Others use different words, but I just like the alliteration. And and basically, they get stuck in place, right? Because they don't know what to do. They may not have the support to do it. You know, um, my my brother has been a high school teacher for uh, close to thirty years now, uh, English teacher and high school, and 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 you know, he's remained a rebel you know, throughout, but he's gotten sideways with a lot of administrators and a lot of his peers because his peers just want to keep doing the same thing the way they've always done it. Administrators don't want to have, uh, you know, uh, parents calling them up and complaining. So there's a lot of this that comes out is if you do want to change, be prepared to get some flack. I guess, and then and then ask for that support from your leaders. Yeah, as as a uh, principal who sought for change a lot, I have definitely experienced that flack, and it can be frustrating because you feel like sometimes you're crazy that you're the only one who who wants to make those changes. But I I maintain even still that it is worth the effort and it's worth the challenge because you really can impact kids' life for the better when you do that. So, Frank, the final question I ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? I I think if you haven't read Mindset, do that. Number two, obviously, they're listening to this podcast. I think number three is go 
go figure out what is on your backlog to go change. You know, what's one thing and make it small, make it so small that maybe nobody else will notice except you. Maybe it's how you introduce yourself in the morning. Maybe it's how you close out the day. You know, a trick that I use is checking in, right? So, uh, you know, getting um, emotional intelligence and one of the foundational things is checking in. Ask your class how they're doing in this, uh, you know, coronavirus environment, right? Just ask them how they're doing and then listen, you know, show a little empathy, right? We, we probably all need a little bit more empathy right now. Yeah, I think that is that is fantastic. Frank, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Once again, the name of the book is Agile Thinking Demystified, and I encourage you to, to check that out. There's a link to that in the show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. And once again, Frank, Frank, thank you for being part of Transformative Principle. Absolutely. Anytime, Jethro. Enjoyed it. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. School principals across the country are using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash principle. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.